Welcome to the Orchard Podcast, a resource of Orchard Africa. The mission of Orchard Africa is to equip the church to care for the vulnerable. For three decades, a passionate community of churches, leaders, and donors have worked together to feed, educate, care for, and empower under-resourced communities in Southern Africa. To date, Orchard Africa and its partners have served over 10 million meals to families in need, cared for over 75,000 orphan children, and enrolled 8,000 children in high-quality early learning programs. All of this takes place through local African leaders to help communities move from survival to stability to sustainability. Welcome, everybody, to the Orchard Podcast, where we help you make a positive and sustainable impact in the places of greatest need in our world. My name is Brian Lemieux. I'm the executive pastor of Orchard Africa, and I am here with Michelle Tessendorf, our CEO, and Mike Tessendorf, the senior pastor of Orchard Africa. Everybody. Hi from South Africa, everyone. Hello, everybody. Good to have you with us for this uh, podcast. Well, when we think about this podcast, uh, we think about you, the listener, sitting around the table with us, uh, maybe with a cup of coffee in your hand. And if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, where I'm at right now in Arizona, <laughs> you have a, an iced coffee because it's just hot. Um, but if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, you, you probably have a nice hot coffee uh, in your hand. And a warm I know uh, where you are, Mike and Michelle, uh, <laughs> It's not iced coffee season right now. No, no, it's definitely uh, hot chocolate and sitting around the fire season. Sounds like Christmas, but it's not. <laughs> Christmas in July, August. Yeah. August. Well, August. We, uh, we imagine you being here at the table with us as the listener, and we, we want to have a conversation with you. We want to invite you into a conversation. We want to maybe start conversations that haven't been had in the world of missions and caring for uh, vulnerable communities. And we want this to be a two-way conversation. So it's not just us all talking all the time. We want to, we want to hear from you as well. We've made a way for you to do that through uh, an email just for this podcast. And here's the email. It's podcast at orchardafrica.org. Easy to remember, podcast at orchardafrica.org. And we invite you, we encourage you to send in questions that you may have, comments that you may have, ideas related to uh, missions, related to making an impact in vulnerable communities. Maybe you've listened to an episode and you have a comment or a question. We would love to hear from you and have you join in on that conversation. And so we uh, invite you to... Uh, Send us an email, say hi, um, let us know you're listening. We, uh, we imagine you here at the table, and so we'd love to hear your voice. So with that, uh, let's jump right in and uh, start the conversation for this now, episode 19. And we are talking about the topic of setting captives free. The Bible says in so many different ways, in so many different places that... Uh, that the truth sets us free. Or then in Isaiah, it talks about uh, the oppressed being released and being set free. And Jesus talked about that early on in his ministry. And so I want to just throw that question out there to us. Uh, so when we think of setting the captive free, uh, I think we first have to talk about what is captivity? What, what is oppression? What does that mean? And then maybe then what, how, do we, how do we set people free from that? So so let me just throw that out there. So yep. what's oppression? What, what's captivity? I think um, 
when I think of captivity, clearly there's the obvious historical things like slavery and servitude and imprisonment. Um, perhaps uh, more current ones would be economic disparity, uh, things like that. Mm. Yeah, any system that um, discriminates against anybody or oppresses anybody or allows uh, one people group to oppress another is is captivity. I mean, apartheid is a great example of that. Or well, great example is not the word, but a very current example. Yeah, yeah. Where um, it it just created captivity and bondage for so many people for so long. Right. right. It was an oppressive laws and an oppressive systems. It wasn't just um, society behaving in a cultural manner. Yeah. It was actually enshrined in law and in systems to mm. oppress mm. Uh, other mm. groups. Mm. Yeah, and along with that went just along with that went yeah, the right. whole idea of subjection of of people and isolation of people, mm. yeah. which in itself is is a form of um, captivity. Right, mm. right. You know, when I think of oppression, uh, I mean, the root word means to press down, um, yeah. even to crush. So, you know, whatever we do to press someone else down for our own benefit, mm. uh, you know, that that's oppression, and it. It takes so many different forms um, from the oppression that a country might apply to the oppression that someone in your family may apply. So there's this mm. right. whole range. Right. Yeah. And I think even sadly so, the oppression that the church applies. Mm. Uh, we bring about religious oppression when we uh, take our norms and our uh, religious methodologies and enforce that on others as as the only way mm. um mm. yeah there's yeah, no matter, traditions no. we've set up that have nothing to do with scriptures uh, throughout Absolutely. the history of christianity and right and jesus god didn't ask us to ask anybody to do that but we've set up some of those traditions and right and i think the church yeah. is guilty of oppression when we should be setting the captives free mm. absolutely mm. Yeah, it doesn't matter what sort of lane of Christianity we would put ourselves in. Um, all of us have tradition. And uh, some of us don't like to call it that, but <clears throat> whether we call it our custom or our norm or our way or our practice, <laughs> our truth, uh, it becomes tradition. And I mean, Jesus was very strong to the religious leaders of his day when he said that uh, you, you're teaching the traditions of men as if they were the commandments of God. And we have to be very careful of not creating oppression by doing that in our modern uh, Christianity as well. Right. There's nothing wrong with systems or traditions as long as we're not doing it and teaching it as the ways of God. Right. You know, I have a system in the morning of having a quiet time and it works for me, uh, my time with God, but I can't enforce it on my husband. That would be mm. oppression. <laughs> I don't think you'd like it very much. <laughs> and it feels oppressive if you're a night person and you're asked to journal in the morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the whole idea of you must journal or else you are not quite doing it right. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, Michelle, you mentioned um, a few podcasts ago this idea of how God designed humanity and gave them authority. Uh, and from the beginning, it, I'm going to ask you to share that because it's so good about the, the scope of that dominion, that scope of that authority. Yeah, 
God said, you know, uh, he gave us dominion. He gave mankind that he created dominion over all kinds of things, the creatures of the, the earth and the fish in the sea and so forth. But he did not give us dominion over one another. And I think when we start uh, dominating and taking dominion over one another is when we start uh, causing oppression Mm. in other people's lives mm. where mm. people are not free anymore, but they in captivity somehow. And mm. we have not been given dominion one mm. over the other. Mm. Yeah. And I love that because what it says to me is that God built in freedom at the very beginning, that his design right. for human life would be that we would have the ability to choose and to act on those choices. And uh, freedom is, um, you know, I think it's kind of like money, you know, sometimes uh, it's been said, so is money good or is it evil? <laughs> well, neither. Yeah, um, exactly. it's, it's how you use it. And I think in the same way, you know, is, is freedom inherently good or is freedom inherently evil? Well, I, I think when we look at even the very next story after creation, one of the next stories, you see that uh, Cain, he was the firstborn, and so he had more authority and that, than, than his younger brother. And he used his freedom to press his brother down and to crush him, actually literally to crush him. And that was oppression. So anytime we per use our personal freedom to press someone down for our own benefit, that's oppression. But on the other side, Anytime we use our personal freedom to lift somebody up who's in need for their benefit, less compassion. And so there's this spectrum on one side is compassion, one side oppression, but it's all about how we use that freedom. Mm. And, and sometimes I think we can use that freedom in the church or anywhere in the world uh, in a, an improper way or in a way that was never intended to be used. Right, right. And, you know, <clears throat> we've been studying in this uh, podcast, uh, Isaiah 58, a lot. And uh, in Isaiah 58, it speaks of letting the oppressed go free. And, uh, you know, Jesus spoke of that, that the spirit of the Lord is upon me uh, because he has... Um, anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And he goes on and he speaks about the liberty to the captives and uh, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Uh, our role is to set people free. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that uh, passage from Luke or quoted from Isaiah when Jesus um, read those words was pretty much Jesus announcing his ministry. And um, I think if this was his kind of maiden introduction to this is what I'm here to do, then freedom is a huge, huge, huge part of God's heart and what Jesus came to bring. Yeah. And, you know, he speaks about liberty to the captives, liberty to those who are oppressed. In Isaiah, it actually speaks about healing of the brokenhearted. So even that is a form of oppression that Jesus came to address. And um, I, I love what he, how he ended that that. Um, statement to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, which um, is a reference to the Old Testament practice or the, the Jewish practice of the year of Jubilee, which God instituted to be observed every 50th year. And there were certain things that everybody was obligated to do in that 50th year. 
um, three were everybody who was had a slave had to release the slaves. Mm -hmm. um, everybody who was owed a debt had to forgive the debt. And anybody who had in some way or form got property from somebody else had to return that property to the original owner. And so uh, slaves, uh, people, debts, and property were, 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 were returned, repatriated. And I believe that the basis for that was that God wanted his people to know that everything, the land and the people, ultimately all belonged to God. Mm. Um, as it was in the beginning where, where Michelle referenced mm. to the freedom that God gave us. And I think the lesson that God was wanting his people to learn was that nobody should be in debt or in servitude to anybody other than to God. Yeah. And um, when Jesus said, I've come to set the captives free, it meant I want to let you live your life so that you can worship and bow down and honor God only and not have to be captive or in servitude to anything else or anybody else. Yeah. So, you know, <clears throat> we've spoken a lot about what does oppression look like? And I think what you've just uh, spoken about, Mike, is so valuable about this year of Jubilee that we go back to our freedom. If we somehow found ourselves in bondage, we have an opportunity mm -hmm. to go back and to be set free. Uh, so what does that mean? What does that look like practically to set people free? Well, if we go back to the example of this uh, Jubilee year, um, it, I think we can sum it up by saying it, it meant removal of anything that enslaves people. Um, and I think our ministry should be a model after Jesus' ministry of removing things uh, that enslave people. It could be oppressive relationships. Mm -hmm. you know, where, where somebody is subjecting another person um, in any way or form. Um, it could be lifting uh, guilt or shame uh, from a person's life, helping them to overcome that. And again, guilt and shame comes as a result of so many things. We mentioned some of them earlier. And people live in that guilt and live in that shame and suddenly feel inferior and in bondage. Right. Um, sickness and disease, obviously. Uh, we, sh we should be bringers of healing. Um, and then, of course, uh, demonic torment, which is mm. very real biblically. And um, mm. there are people that are tormented and, and harassed by uh, evil spiritual forces. Mm -hmm. Jesus came to set those captives free. And to me, that's what setting people free is all about. It's, it's, it's removing things that enslaved them. And then also uh, forgiving debts. And debts are not just financial. Debts can be relational. Debts can mean, I forgive you. I'm no longer going to hold that sin against you. I'm not going to make you feel ashamed of what you did to me. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that the question, what do I do to help set the captive free? You know, I wonder if, if, if every believer and if every church just ask that question. How, how does my ministry set the captive free? How, mm. how, how do I, as a follower of Christ, how does my family work on set, setting people free? And I think that's a question that we don't often ask. Uh, we ask a lot of other questions sometimes about life and ministry, but how do we actively free people up? And I think, um, 
That's a very good question yeah. because uh, if, if, as you said, Mike, Jesus right from the get-go uh, said that my ministry is to set the captives free, well, then surely his church is... Yes ministry is to set the captives free and we don't talk about that very often well i think one of the things we do talk about often is freedom from sin yeah and and you know that becomes like well that's what it means to set captives free but um i think if we go back to the whole context of captivity it's way way more than just freedom from from Mm. sin yeah yeah Mm. You know, Galatians uh, chapter 5 from verse 13, I'd like to read it because it talks about this freedom so much. It says, for dear brothers, you have been given freedom. We, we've been given freedom. Yay. Not freedom to do wrong, but freedom to love and serve each other. Mm. That is just so uh, Mm. deep. If we really think about it, mm. we've, been, we've been set free to love and to serve each other. And then it goes on to say, for the whole law can be summed up in this one commandment, love others as you love yourself. But if instead of showing love amongst yourselves, you are always critical and catty, watch out, beware of ruining each other. Mm. Mm. You know, <clears throat> when I read, that scripture, there's three things that stand out to me. This idea of serve each other, love others as you love yourself, and this idea of critical. Um, and I, I've done what every little preacher does out there. I've got my three words, you know, and they all rhyme. So uh, for <laughs> those for of you. you who are listening and you're <laughs> well about done. to start a sermon, here we go. All right. There's three words that come out of that scripture, which is to live, to love, and to let go. Mm. We love to serve. We love as we desire to be loved. And we let go of criticism and judgment. And I think there's so much freedom that comes in that. Mm. uh, For we've been given freedom, not freedom to do wrong. We've been given freedom to serve. We've been given freedom to love as we desire to be loved. Mm. And we've been given freedom to let go of criticism and judgment. It's not our place to judge others. Yeah. I think when we, we judge others, we put bondage on them, but we even put bondage on ourselves through that. And freedom gives us the right to let go of that. So to live, to love, and to let go. There should be a little plaque somewhere that <laughs> I can put up in my home. <laughs> I've got a sermon. <laughs> my next sermon, I've got it. Thank you, Michelle. No, I think that's, that's so wise because... Uh, sometimes we think about freedom. We only think about it in the context of my personal pleasure. Yeah. How do I have the freedom to, to do the things I want to do, which freedom should allow us to, to do that. That's part of it, but freedom on purpose. I, I just hear that ringing out of yeah that mini sermon and Galatians that he's <laughs> given us a purpose for freedom. And we, we need to use that for, for God's purposes. And then just those three things. Um, yeah. And, uh, and don't you think that we see Jesus um, demonstrating that throughout his ministry? Yep. That was his life. That was his life mm. to, he lived to serve. He, he loved immensely and certainly he didn't judge and mm. criticize. Mm. And um, he lived his life in freedom. 
So to me, the, the, all those things that you've mentioned there and that, that passage from Galatians, it's, it's just so powerful. But it speaks to me of, uh, if, we, if we're asking the question, how do we release the oppressed? How do we set the captives free? How do we live um, as repairers of the breach that we've been talking about? Um, it's, we, we, we often focus on, well, what, what should we do? What shouldn't we do? And it's, it's um, the, the things that we do or don't do. And to me, uh, looking at Jesus and some uh, passages of scripture here in Ephesians, it's not so much about what we do, it's about how we live. Um, I mean, Jesus, Jesus lived mm. a, a, a life of setting captives mm. free. Um, Ephesians chapter four speaks about us no longer being children, forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different or has cleverly lied to us and made the lie sound like the truth. I mean, that in, in and of itself, that is oppression. Yeah. But it says, instead, we will lovingly follow the truth, the truth at all times. And then it says, speaking truly, dealing truly, and living truly. And so become more and more in every way like Christ, who is the head of the body, his church. And to me, that's, that speaks about how we live. I think if we could live towards people in a way that is truthful, in a way that is honest, in a way that is transparent, and not trying to impose something which we would like them to believe just because we believe it, but just yeah. being honest and transparent and truthful, that would go a long way to repairing some of those breaches that have been created by oppression and bondage and captivity right. and would allow people to set, be set free. I, I like that a lot. Mm. So I, I have this question. Um, we're all involved in um, missions ministry in some way, uh, global or local outreach and um I'm assuming that people who are listening to our podcast uh, are, have a heart for those who are uh, oppressed, uh, those who yeah. have need and are, are wanting to find a way in which to live out this, this um, relationships that don't oppress, but uh, relationships that set free. Mm. So how do we align ourselves with Jesus's mission? through our local and global outreach. Practically, what do we do? Yeah, I'll jump in there. I think the answer to that question requires us to step back and maybe see a broader view of how oppression works and then how we can respond to it. Because oppression always, always, always begins with an improper belief about another group that's not the group that we're in. It's a belief that the other group for whatever reason is inferior and we're superior. So it starts with the belief, but then yes. that belief is built into a system, whether it's a law or it's a tradition or it's part of the, the culture, the system of way, the way we do what we do. And then now that belief is, uh, is the structure and the framework for how life and culture interacts. So it's, a, it's systematized, institutionalized. And then from there, it affects the people's behaviors. Like Mike, you were talking about the behaviors now are guided and um, influenced by this institutional system. And then mm. at the end, it, oppression does its kind of final work when the oppressed now take on the belief of 
that ideological belief that started this whole progression. And it affects now their, their self view, their, um, their self image. And they begin to believe the very words that were spoken about their inferiority. And there's a great um, uh, activist for freedom, you know, you know him, Stephen Biko in South Africa. And yeah. he said, the most yeah. potent weapon of the oppressor is the mind of the oppressed. And so Absolutely. if, if oppression can do its full work and get to the point where the oppressed now believes the same thing as the oppressor, now right. um, it, it's done its full work. So as the church, we have to address all four of those components. Because if you just yes. do one thing, if you just have, try to change people's behaviors, that third part, there's still this system that's running and creating oppression. And there's still this ideological belief. And so you have to address all four of those things um, as a ministry, as a church. And we need to have those in our mind. It's not just one dimensional. It's three dimensional. I like yeah. that very Excellent. much. This, Excellent. Um, I, could I repeat those four, four words again? I love words, clearly. <laughs> uh, belief, systemize, behavior, and self-image. And the one leads into the other. And certainly, I think we've all experienced that, that when we believe something about ourselves, mm. you know, we either set free or we're in bondage, mm. depending on what that belief is. Mm. Um, well, Very I think good. when it comes to, to global outreach and um, ministry of, of uh, missions ministry, um, it's so easy to um, see those things play out in because we have a certain worldview. Uh, we all come from a particular culture. It doesn't matter who we are. And when we get to people other than people like us, which typically we do with global outreach, uh, we sometimes forget that their worldview is different, their culture is different, their norms are different. And sometimes we think that uplifting and developing those people is changing their worldview and their culture and their norms, instead of getting to the, the root of the problem of what's actually creating the oppression and the bondage in their lives. Right. And then we, we get involved in religion that actually puts them under bondage. I think of some early missionaries in South Africa, mm. um, and I'm sure to other parts of the world, where uh, in order for somebody to become a Christian, uh, they had to wear westernized clothes, right. mm. and they had to take on a Christian name. So their traditional name, the name that their parents gave them, uh, their beautiful name, uh, had to be replaced with a Christian name that the missionary could pronounce. It's an interesting Christian name. I mean, in South Africa, we don't use first name and last name. We use Christian name and surname. And the term Christian name actually comes from the missionaries who felt like, well, if you're going to follow Jesus, you need to have a name. That's a Christian name. Yeah. And um, it's still carried through today. Right. And so uh, there are those four things that you said where uh, the belief of the missionary became systemized in order to become a Christian. You have to do these things. Uh, which, you know, changed the behavior of local people and um, their own self-image Yeah, and, uh, was affected thereby. Well, I, and it had nothing to do with Christ yeah. and his freedom. Yeah. And we can, without knowing it, out of a desire to do good, become an yes. oppressor. And, right. and that's what 
I hear that story telling me is we, we have yes. to be really careful and cognizant of the fact that our desire to, to do good and to make an impact is actually freeing them yes. and not yes. oppressing them. Yes. Uh, right. And maybe our attempt to relieve them of their oppression that maybe it's poverty or spiritual oppression or corrupt government or whatever it might be, sex trafficking, uh, this big oppression. We, we got to not give them more oppression when we're trying to release them from, from oppression. And right. Uh, right. I, I think right. that's, that's a helpful story for us as we think right. about ministry and mission. And, you know, it comes back to my, my little words of uh, how do we release the oppressed? And, I, you know, I spoke about live to serve. In, in a situation like that where the missionaries came, uh, were they asking how do we serve these people who are not like me? They're different from me? Uh, rather than how do they serve what I think is right? Mm. Or um, to love as we desire to be loved. I don't think any of us would want somebody to just radically change my name and the way I dress and so forth. Um, so the, the, this idea of loving uh, one another and then certainly to let go of criticism and judgment. You know, uh, many mm. African tribes uh, wear minimal clothing and certainly did when the early missionaries came. And somehow that was seen as unholy. Mm. And I've got to change what you're wearing and I'll criticize and judge what you're wearing and replace it with what I'm wearing. And where is this idea of living to serve and loving as we desire to be loved and to let go of our judgment of others mm. in our global outreach? Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, that's good. So when I think of oppression, I think there's um, oppressive um, work that can be done um, in, in an effort to do good. But then there's also the external oppression, I guess I'd call it, the, um, some of the global giants of oppression. And right. when we think about those four categories, uh, sometimes it means we need to get involved in the <laughs> system somehow. Yes. Um, and that our ministry needs to adjust, um, change, um, guide the, the systems of, um, of, of the government. And I remember um, one of the communities where uh, that happened was a very remote village uh, in South Africa. Orchard Africa began um, starting preschools and feeding programs and um, caring for the orphans and sending mission teams. And it was this entire uh, emphasis and transformation that was happening. And as a result of that compassion, using our freedom to lift people, mm -hmm. the municipality discovered, the government discovered that was happening. And they began to change some of the systems. They began to change yeah. the way in which that community, that village had access to electricity and government mm. services yeah. and that was actually oppressing that village the the system the government the municipality was oppressing that village because they weren't giving them access but through compassion and intentionality and development the systems began to change and i i think then that can lead to freeing captives on the different other levels of um, the way that people are being pressed down but sometimes we have to get involved 
in the system. Um, yes. Sometimes as the church, we want to just, we only want to focus in on our ministry and our church and our community, but sometimes the church has to have an influence in, in the broader system as well. Yes, I agree with you. I think sometimes uh, we want to stop with that first one, which is belief. We mm. want to teach people what to believe, but um, we don't want to get our hands dirty and mess with the systems. And actually, uh, that is the hard work of uh, the work that we do. Mm. That's called development mm. when you, you mess with the systems and you fix them. Mm. Yeah, but I don't think we can get away from the fact and with, without... Uh, this word has often been misused, but I do believe that God has called his people and his church to be a prophetic voice when the system needs to be affected. Mm -hmm. uh, we should be always willing to be advocates for things that uh, need to be addressed. And um, absolutely get involved <clears throat> where, where the rubber meets the road when that's what it takes. Mm -hmm. <sighs> And those are the African birds letting us know it's feeding time. time. Possibly time to wrap up. Uh, <laughs> just for information, those are ibis birds, and they're huge, and they look like flying dinosaurs. <laughs> they sound like that, too. They, they kind of sound like a pterodactyl. That's it, true. And they do. <laughs> Sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> well, we've, we've covered a lot of ground today. Yeah. And... Uh, a really important conversation if we want to be people who make a positive and sustainable impact for Christ in the places of greatest need in our world, we really have to understand what, what is holding people captive, captive. And what did Jesus come to do when he came to proclaim freedom? And how do we, how do we be a part of that? I, I love the fact that we're a part of this community, uh, this podcast community that there's actually hundreds of people that have been listening in on this conversation and I think about imagine if all of us as a community began living out those those things that you talked about to to live to serve to love um, how we want to be loved and then to let go of judgment if we if we did those three simple things um, there could be an incredible release as as Jesus talked about and so uh, grateful to be a part of a community that's all working to to bring about this kind of change and usher in this kind of kingdom that Jesus talked about. Yeah. So we're we're glad to be a part of this with you. It's been wonderful and uh, having this conversation with you. And I truly would love to hear from you. Uh, back to that email, if you want to give it again, Brian, we want to hear what you've got to say and answer any questions you might have uh, or enter into a conversation with you about subjects that you are interested in. Yes. So right. podcast at orchardafrica.org. Shoot us an email. Yep, be great to hear from you. And um, let's have a great conversation. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>